0: There was that point of no return where I had done this for, you know, 19 years of that, like, oh, okay, it'll get better then. And 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 and, and, and I mean, that's the cycle of abuse, us sort of discounting ourselves, thinking it'll get better. Maybe this will change. Maybe he'll do something. Okay, let's try one more marriage counselor. Let's read one more book. Let's, you know, and then it's finally, it's like, oh my God. Um, and so that's where a lot of my work comes from is the mindfulness piece, trying to stay
1: present in the moment. Hey, midlifers, welcome to the midlife makeover show. Are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife? Are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days? No matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover, job burnout, or you just have the midlife blues, I got you. Hey, I'm Wendy, your hostess of the midlife mostest. I too was hit by midlife like a freight train. I too felt stuck in the same dull chapter. I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body, how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. Welcome back to the Midlife Makeover Show. I have a feeling this might be my best interview yet. <laughs> I have to tell the story and how this whole thing happened. Oh my gosh! All right, today's guest, everyone, Susie Pettit. Susie Pettit, what a cute name, has been helping women (laughs) live lives they love for over 20 years. She is the founder of the Love Your Life School. What a great name. And the podcast host of Love Your Life Show. She is a certified parent, life and wellness coach and a mom of five... Sons, ages 18 to 25. I knew we had something in common there. I only have three, but that's fine. (laughs) Susie is passionate about helping women live lives that feel as good on the inside as they look on the outside. Oh, yeah. She spent more than half her life living a life she did not love. See, we have a lot in common. (laughs) As a people pleaser, hello, and codependent perfectionist. Hello, my name is Wendy. I'm a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) She reflects that it's as if she was trying to win an award for Martyr of the Year. I'm laughing because I can totally freaking relate to this. (laughs) Like, I think I won it. (laughs) That award, damn it. Luckily, she hit rock bottom and now has the breadth of experience to teach firsthand about setting healthy boundaries beating your inner critic, conscious parenting, and how to use mindfulness-based tools to beat overwhelm and anxiety. She uses two foundational frameworks, her five pillars of wellness, and the thought model. Susie, welcome to the show. I mean,
0: well, dude, this is such fun! <laughs> I mean, the best my bio's ever been
1: read. <laughs> oh, yeah, I find such, such nice My like, bio read. It's like, damn, who is that woman? <laughs> <Check> that <out. laughs> I can't wait to learn more about you. It's oh, fun. Let me just tell everyone. So I must say, you are the most persistent <laughs> woman. <laughs> I'm trying to get on this show. And it seemed like every <laughs> single time I'd be booked and I I believe things happen for a reason. The stars have aligned all the way from Australia to Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. We, I like every single time I'd be booked. And then today I had a cancellation. I was like, shit. So, and then I get an email from you this morning. Saying hey, just checking in with you. Do you have any openings so coming up? Like, actually, I've got time in about thirty minutes. Yeah. And Susie says, "Hell yes, let me do some. Let's jumping. do it. Be ready to it's go." It's so
0: crazy. I know. I think yeah, our energies align because I definitely like. I I don't know how I found your podcast. I think I was searching yeah. for something like empty nest and <laughs> yes. and found it and then was like I like this lady and then was like yes
1: no Wendy we need to meet each other so yeah uh, like she's spooky just <laughs> like me <laughs> so I want to hear I want to hear more about your backstory mm, yeah yeah like, how did you, yeah how did you arrive at where you're at right now. Well, I, you know, I don't
0: think it's that unique. In that, you know, I really like—I I was raised on the east coast of America, so I was sort of mm-hmm. conditioned in the society of like people pleasing and good girls and all of that. It, it might have um, been a little different in that I—I I was so I am one of three daughters, and I mm-hmm. was raised in a very—you um, uh, know—like my dad ruled the house is one way of saying it. Mm-hmm. So my my dad had the rules, and I grew up. With the modeling that, you know, whatever dad said was right. And that was rule, you know, that, that was. And if we had, you know, my mom was a stay at home mom. And if you had a question, you waited till dad came home. And if you did something uh, yeah. wrong, you waited till dad came home, that sort of thing. I added in the unique piece that from my earliest memories, I can remember my dad saying that I should have been a boy, that I, that, you know, girls are not as good as boys. And I should have been a boy. And so I had this, what I'm realizing now at age 52, this sort of core wound of like, From the very get-go, I wasn't good enough. Like there was nothing I could do. So it was like, since I'm never going to be good enough, I might as well hustle my butt off to try to do everything else right. So that even in my imperfectness, maybe I'll get close. So I just spent a lot of my younger years just really, you know, becoming the vice president of my class and the top, you know, field hockey and like, so externally looking for approval. Yep. All the while getting a message consistently from my dad, and um, you know he was really the main male uh, influence in my life that mm. I wasn't good enough, and and he would praise me and you know, like good job for field hockey, but it was just never enough, as we know. Like when you have yep. that sort of empty cup there. So that, that was interesting. And there were no boundaries in my household. Emotional intelligence was not a thing. I very much was taught that I was responsible for my dad's and my mom's emotions. Mm-hmm. And so as a kid, I was always attuned to sort of like walking on eggshells, like, watch out. Like, is dad mad? Oh, it's because you have your music too loud. Or is yeah. you know, mom stressed, it's because you did this to dad. And now she, you know,
1: yeah, <laughs> so that was Must be something Susie did
0: or did <laughs> Must not do. Be so. Like I very yeah. much took on that shame, you know, the, the heaviness, the shame burden, as one might expect. <laughs> if yeah. you listen to this podcast, I moved into a first marriage, <laughs> looking for the same thing. I sort of married a combination of my two parents and um, spent 19 years in that marriage thinking it was normal for him to tell me which books I could read, which mm-hmm. clothes. Like, it's so funny. I'm wearing a button down shirt now. One of the things was that he said I shouldn't wear button down shirts. So I like now I wear button down shirts all the freaking time, but it's like lots of rules. And I, there was no physical abuse, but there was a lot of emotional and verbal abuse. A lot of that can, because that was what I was used to this yeah. sort of messaging that I'm not good enough. Um, and so, you know, when I say that I, wasn't allowed to read certain books or talk to certain people or that's not entirely accurate. He wasn't holding me down, but that's what I felt is that that, you know, if I was to go to Barnes and Noble and get Brene Brown's latest book, I would be yelled at, you know, well yeah, God for yeah, you
1: certainly, yeah, he wouldn't want you to get to get better and to feel good about yourself because then you might actually do something about it.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. And that that was sort of the challenge. And so, we, you know, you can only sort of like hold someone down for so long. Yeah. And at, in my mid thirties, so I had three boys and, and kept thinking like, oh, maybe this boy, you know, things will be different or, oh, maybe now let's get a dog and maybe, <laughs> <or> maybe let's, <laughs> it's like, maybe then we'll be happy. In my mid thirties, a woman who I really was um, mm-hmm. living a parallel life with, like we would go to, we sort of had the same life. She had two boys, but we would go to, we would go to our play group. We would, you know, which was weekly. We would complain about the past week. And then we'd be like, okay, see you next week. We're the- Like, let's just keep that. <laughs> well, this poor woman was diagnosed with stage, um, colon cancer and she passed. And one of the, and I was her mm-hmm. caregiver for her last year of her life, along with two other women. So her parents oh. lived abroad. And one of the last things she said to me was Susie, don't do this. Life is short. Oh. It's like friggin' grab your life. And I, yeah, like actually in her last six months of life, she divorced her husband. I mean, Whoa, like, yeah, seriously? she was out on, yeah. Um, and so that was to say, you know, to put it lightly, that was a massive wake up call for me to just sort of get out of my trance and be like, oh, wait a minute. And, and what is going on? to look yep. at the marriage that I was modeling for my boys, you know, mm-hmm. here I am a woman being raised in a very patriarchal home. And is this the kind of marriage that I want them moving into? Mm-hmm. Um, And to start to, to speak up a little more. And, and yeah. so I did and should hit the fan <laughs> with him. Also, I can fast forward that when I, so I did Finally, make the decision to divorce. That, you know, we went to four different marriage counselors. The fourth one finally fired us. He's like, you need two people. (laughs) And so I made the decision to divorce in the state that I lived in, which was Virginia. And I think this law is still in the books that if the woman is the the property of the man. And so if I had chosen to leave without my kids, my husband said that he would file that I was abandoning my children and I would lose rights for custody. If I left with my kids, He would file that I was kidnapping and I would lose rights to my children. All the while, I've been a stay-at-home mom for 19 years. And um, my father, because what was I doing? I was going against the grain, Wendy. My dad said that, one, he didn't just say, he financed my husband's lawyer. And there was, right. So I'm there trying to pinch together pennies, get my own counsel, I, my ex, my, my dad is a very wealthy man. He says he's, he will put together. My sister said that she will turn over and she did turn over emails that I had written to her. Cause this is before text, but I'd have a bad day. And I'd say like, Oh my God, I'm so stressed with the kids. And she said, she would turn them over to the lawyers showing that I was a bad and an inept mother because oh. I was disrupting the status quo. Oh, yeah. So by me stepping out, And that's not even the biggest. So before I got married to my husband, I had premarital earnings because I was that like, okay, dad, I'm not good enough as a boy. Well, then I'm going to start working at age 12 and get all this money and put into my, you know, as a a lunch account. and And unfortunately, when we got married in 1996, it was before things were online. So there were paper copies. And so there was a paper copy showing my you know, maiden name and my earnings. And then when I got married, I put my husband's name on it as a joint account. When I was going through the divorce, that money would have been really nice. (laughs) And my dad on a video said, in an effort to try to get me to sort of go back, fall back in line and stay married and be happy enough, shredded the document, which in the state I was, it was $496,000. So half a million dollars. Didn't then get split between me and my ex went 100% to my ex. Oh so my God. that was to say, and it was a very dark moment because I went from, okay, my dad is supporting the lawyer. My sister has, there's a little bit of betrayal there. <laughs> my mother is mute. She's not saying anything, you know, like all my, oh, I'm sorry. And in the state of Virginia so that I couldn't leave with my kids and I couldn't leave without my kids. You have, you need to sort of shelter in place for a year. So I was living in our unfinished basement and but I was like, okay, I have this money. Like when I get out, when I'm done with this year, and then no, shredded. Boom. <laughs> so
1: <laughs>
0: this the role that I have now. <laughs> oh so, my! I mean, gosh. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I would be crying. It was. I I I don't think uh, you know. I hope that people, <laughs> when they start doing things differently, it's not this extreme, and they have a little bit yeah, of I the.
1: What, though, so first of all, I, have to I tell know. You. Also, divorced. My second divorce was in Virginia, mm, and oh I goodness. too lived in the basement. <laughs> I mean, like, girl, I be you, you and I have parties. so much in common. Right. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so let me ask you something. Here's I literally, as I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm listening to your story, I have goosebumps, yeah. and it's because I so admire your strength to keep pushing through the storm. Mm. Despite all of this coming at you, and how how did you how did you? I mean, were there times when you like the heck with it? Fine, I'll just go back where I was. That's probably easier. And many of us do that, myself mm. included, where I was like, it's too much trouble. Shit, I'm rocking the mm-hmm. apple cart here. Let me just go back to the way things were. I can, you know, I can manage, mm-hmm. I can do it. Or how like, how did you? find the strength to keep pushing through and following your, your heart and your soul so that you can be happy. Yeah. I mean, I think I did
0: the, Oh, suck it up Susie. You can for about 19 years or at least 10 of those 19 years, you know, and I was in a relationship with him because I met him how I, how perfect freshman year of college. (laughs) So I was in a relationship with him like six or seven years before we were married. So I did that a lot of this, Like, oh, he's not good, but suck it up. You don't deserve better. That comes from my core wound, that I wasn't good enough. So this is the best. So, of course, this, you know, like I look back, I'm like, it's so interesting. Like on your wedding day, you were like, why are you marrying this man? And yet I Mm -hmm. didn't have that inner strength in me at the time to take my needs as paramount. And so- there was to feel that, like as if like that you don't even
1: deserve better. Cause I was for, like, that.
0: Oh, I definitely, I was like, that's what I yep. like. That's the best I can hope. Like, I definitely was not thinking I deserve better. Yeah. And and so, you know, there was there was something to be said of death being a great motivator. So seeing my friend and being like, wait a minute, like I like I could die. This could have been me. Like, what yep. would I have done? And then also, while, while I would have liked some of the motivation to come from myself, you know, when we're working with women, it's like, you matter. It, it really, um, I, I had my, when I went to undergrad, I got my master's, I went, I got my degree and then my master's in education. And so I knew a lot about parenting. I'm, i mm-hmm. that's a lot. And, and when I started to see my husband treating my kids in ways that I termed emotionally or verbally abusive or that I sort of knew at an intellectual level was wrong. That's what motivated me uh, mm-hmm. to just be like, "Oh hell no!" Like this, yes. Is, yes. this has to stop. And I, yeah. I, um, you know, one of my sons about like three years after the divorce gave me one of those like wooden signs you can get at Marshalls or whatever that said, "Dysfunction stops here." Uh, and that mm-hmm. meant so much to me that he could sort of that makes me want to cry. I love- right. It's, yeah. it's like we just sort of keep passing down these patterns until someone, and, you know, the cycle breakers or whatever is like, yep. And it is, it's just getting that strength. There, I spent a lot of days crying in that basement. It was the best to know you were out there. Oh and yet, gosh. you know, I think there was that point of no return where I had done this for, you know, 19 years of that, like, oh, okay, it'll get better then. And, 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 and I mean, that's the cycle of abuse, As sort yes. of discounting ourselves thinking it'll get better. Maybe this will change. Maybe he'll do something. Okay. Let's try one more marriage counselor. Let's read one more book. Let's, you know, and then it's finally, it's like, oh my God. Um, and so that's where a lot of my work comes from is the mindfulness piece, trying to stay present in the moment, um, Mm -hmm. versus what our brain will do is like, sort of zoom out too far. Cause if I had done that, I mean, I, I, like, I really, what the heck? I never would have seen this for God's sake. Like being in this, like right now I am, you know, in this wonderfully fulfilling marriage. I mean, I I was like, I never want a man ever to look at me ever again. Like men, (laughs) except for my sons, like goodbye, men. (laughs) Like I've never seen this. I never could have seen my thriving business because like there are so many things. So looking too far into the future and getting too much into that anxiety place, would have been crippling for me. And I did that sometimes and then would come back and be like, well, what can you do, Susie? Like, you're sort of like on this horrendous ride and you're just holding
1: on. (laughs) Yes, yeah. And you're so right too, as far as like how it gets passed down. I mean, your Mm -hmm. dad probably learned something from his mom and dad, Mm -hmm. right? And it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And then for you to look at your children and go, wait a minute, I don't Mm -hmm. want them Mm -hmm. doing the same thing to somebody Mm -hmm. else, and yeah, or for them
0: to think this is normal. Because I thought Mm -hmm. it was normal. I thought my parents' marriage was normal, and then, and I thought that that sort of control over other humans in a house was normal. That like codependency Mm -hmm. and the the no boundaries, and um, that it was bad to be selfish or to speak up or to disagree. Like if we disagreed that apples were better than bananas, we get in trouble. I'm not even kidding. It's like, I am such a, like so much of my work now has been like, it's okay to disagree. Like your husband can like strawberries and you can like raspberries. Like it's freaking fine. Nervous. system. What was the most
1: difficult thing for you to overcome through all that? The, the limiting beliefs that you had about yourself? Um, the, the, I,
0: I think it's, Still is that Susie's Mm -hmm. way, like what Susie wants, and so that's my first name, but like Susie's desires and Susie's needs matter. Mm -hmm. And that it's not selfish. Mm -hmm.
1: In fact,
0: it's it's soulfish. It's it's what I you know find that that is what we need to do. It's actually selfish for me to ignore Mm -hmm. my needs. Like when I was a people pleaser, I was a people deceiver, I call it. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, I would say yes to things. And yep. then be pissy in the background and all, you know, like, oh my God, why am I doing it? Why did I sign up for that? It's like, well, why did you? And, yeah, and that, exactly. that's not fair to anyone. I mean, my it's first husband- you're not, you're
1: not mad at them. You're really mad at yourself. No, you're for mad at yourself. And,
0: right. Yeah. And that it's not like we think it's selfless to be that people pleaser. It's actually incredibly selfish because we're not showing yeah. the person the real version of ourselves and we're creating a distance in the relationship. We aren't allowed- to have that that closeness, and then mm. for sure, I think one of the greatest fears was that I—I I mean, it came true that I would be abandoned by my parents and two sisters, um and my—you know, they, like it, I think I sort of went into it like, oh, okay, this won't be that bad. <laughs> like, my ex will be able to see. Like, we went to four marriage counselors. Like, he'll understand, you know. And I can remember the day I handed him the marriage papers, and he he just glared and he said, I would stay married. I, I would stay married to you for the rest of our lives, even though I hate you. And he said, you're going to regret this. And <laughs> I, I do not regret it, but he <laughs> sure made my life harder. It's, it's, and I was, I remember thinking, I was like, that is not the version of marriage that I want. Like to be with someone, even though you hate their guts is not
1: okay. For how me. long did it take you? How many years did it take you to actually go like from that moment of that when the light bulb went off, I've got to get out of this marriage, I've got to change my life, I've got to stop being a people pleaser, I've got to mm-hmm. change myself, change my life. How long did it take you to actually get to that point of like like finally exhaling and going, "Ah, hello, Susie." <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, it's a bit and I I would say um the people pleaser it, it happened in stages because me having this, like, I sort I sort of directed my focus to the marriage at first when my yeah. friend had passed. And I was like, let's try to see if we can clean up the parenting or come to some sort of agreement about the parenting. And when so all my focus was sort of on that. And then as that was disintegrating, like when I announced to my parents, my parents were all supportive of me when mm-hmm. they were, because they actually didn't like my ex ironically, <laughs> they would complain to me about him. Now they're best, they vacation together now, Wendy. Like, so it's like, but at the time they didn't, so they were all on board with like, yeah, you know, like I'm sorry, but they never, cause that's how they got along. My mom would complain to me about my dad or my dad. And, and like, that was totally normal. But then when I was like, okay, and so now I'm leaving, they were like, what? No, that can't be. So at first I was directed, My attention to the divorce, and then it was sort of as the divorce was finalizing, and the the you know the poo was hitting the the fan with my parents. um, That's when I then got into looking at more sort of the the more deeper issue of my codependency and my thinking that um, you know I could affect other people's emotions. Also, separating Mm -hmm. from my parents, letting them think thoughts about me that they could think, but were not necessarily true. Uh, in my mind, at least, you know, letting other people be wrong about me. And and that sort of self-love and self-compassion is something that I'd say in the last four years has really solidified for me. Yeah,
1: um, It's interesting. I was just thinking um, like codependency, perfectionism, people pleasing, all of that stuff is so it's intertwined and all connected, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And sometimes word, it's, like the perfectionism, like if I was good enough, then maybe my dad would love me. Or if I was good enough, then yeah, I mean, that's the fallacy.
1: Did you and I can relate to so much of this from my mm-hmm. upbringing and the relationships that I had. And um, I mean, did you feel like did you feel like you could fix those people? So and the relationships to make it. Oh, worked.
0: For sure. I worked so, so that everyone would be
1: happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I mean that was where a lot of the resistance that I came up against was first trying to fix my husband, trying to get him to see it yeah. my way, quote unquote, as if my yeah. way was the right way. Instead of, you know, what I'm finding now in midlife is this this awareness that, you know, actually like I might think my way is the right way, but there is no right way. And and that's that's right. a lot of what it That's a lot of where I am now is because I I did have this background in education and master's of education. I actually taught for several years in high school before I married my husband. Um, And so I have this background of like development from, you know, zero to age 25. And then what? Like we just, we're done, we're cooked. No. Yeah. And so <laughs> my work now in the love your life school is it is a school to continue to learn the life skills because we don't end learning. And so now oh, I'm right. finding that 40 to 60 is this period of yeah. it's more flexible thinking. It's when we're trying to differentiate. It, it you know, sort of when we were younger, we were all me focused and like what, you know, a mm-hmm. 12 a 12-year-old 12 thinks that kids looking at her weird is all about her. That's normal. Yeah. You know, like 12 to 25, we start to become, we start looking externally for that approval. And we're like, oh my, because yeah. we're trying to figure out who we are. That's all actually totally normal again. Yeah. And then we want to start shifting into like where we return it back to ourselves, back yeah. to our sort of like the soul focus. And the and it's not from a selfish place. It is It is more in mm-hmm. this, like when I'm taking care of myself and I'm not being this people pleaser and codependent and emotionally, you know, unintelligent. I show up a whole lot better. So it is, Yeah, you know, it is all related. And I, yeah, I find great ease in thinking like, okay, we're right on track. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. I think it's a lot of, at least it has been for me, unlearning. Yes. Unlearning yes. some of these limiting beliefs and these mm-hmm. bad habits and just learning a new way of being and mm-hmm. that makes you happy and not feeling like you're being selfish because it's not. I think a lot of women sometimes think that we're being selfish if you take care of yourself.
0: That's yeah, fun. well, here's something that helps yeah. me a lot and helps my ladies is that they did not know about emotional intelligence in the yeah. 80s and 90s. Like it was yeah. sort of in a lab they were studying. It. And so they literally thought that the words coming out of my mouth could hurt your feelings. Yeah. So that's a lot of the unlearning we've had to do. Mm-hmm. That like by me saying something about like, you know, wow, I wish you were wearing a red tank top today. Like you might think like, that is incredibly unskilled Susie and have a feeling about, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. or you might think like, oh my God, right? Like, I'm like, you know, it's just like we have all these different thoughts that we can think. And because of the thoughts we think, that's how we feel. Versus yeah. we didn't know that. So that's a lot of the unlearning yeah. that we have to do. I hear a lot of women that they're like, but I'm going to, you know, in terms of like setting a boundary or a guideline with their husband that they've been married to for, you know, many years. And it's, it's a fine relationship, but they're like, Oh my God, if I tell my husband that I want to um, spend some time reading at night, instead of watching, you know, his shows on Netflix, his feelings are going to be hurt. That's, yep. that's not accurate. His like, he might think like, Oh yeah, I'm so glad that she's speaking up for herself and that's awesome. And I've wondered why she's sort of sitting over there seething or, Like, oh, great. Now I get to watch the real show. You know, he might think that he might think like, wait a minute, what's going on? We have this pattern and he might feel disappointed. There's a lot of thoughts he could think and feelings he could feel. But us as women thinking that we're responsible for that, that's a lot of the unlearning that I see us having to do. And that sort of that attachment to other people's feelings.
1: Yep. And I found that uh, as I changed and I started to love myself more and I started Mm -hmm. to change some of those habits and those behaviors, my relationships changed, whether I wanted them to or not, because I was upsetting the apple cart. They're like, wait a minute, you're not reacting the way you're supposed to react. You're Mm -hmm. supposed to get mad or you're supposed to cry or you're supposed to walk away at this point. You know, they're like, wait a minute. So, so, and that's fine. That's part of like the detoxification, if you will, that happens Mm -hmm. as a result of, and I'll admit that was one of the reasons I stayed in my same, you know, perfectionism and the codependency because I didn't want to lose whoever in my life. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, if I change, I know I'm going to lose this person. Mm -hmm. But then I think for me, what really clicked was because of the fact I had been abandoned so many times in my life, mm-hmm. like I was so scared of being mm-hmm. abandoned again. But mm-hmm. then I realized, wait a minute, Wendy, really what it comes down to, you've abandoned yourself. Yeah. And that's yeah. That, that's that's the point. Yeah that's that's the part. Like if people pleasing worked, if yeah. we
0: somehow could, then I'd be like, go for it. It doesn't yeah. work. It, it just work. like It doesn't <laughs> work. Like, Some girl could control their feelings and like get in their head and be like, here, think this. But, like it, but it doesn't. People pleasing no. actually leads to more detached relationships because yeah. you're showing this side of you that isn't true because you're feeling that fear. Like, what if I'm abandoned? What if I'm, you know, I mean, the, this is where you know, my relationships and my sort of setting boundaries are doing things different in my family. I'm at like one extreme, like the fact that. I, I don't choose to talk to my parents or my sisters anymore. I mm. love them. I've forgiven them. I, if they, mm. you know, if they, if they change their ways of thinking and, you know, yeah. I, I'm open to it, but their current state and how they're showing up and the thoughts they're thinking right now, like I'm not available for that. And yet yep. I'm not like, there's just a very big, e, like I freaking love them. I understand why they are and what they're doing. And it's this right. like. But that is at the far end of a spectrum. But I think some people, when they're setting boundaries, get afraid of that. What we do when we're like doing things differently, or as you said, like some fear of, you know, what would this relationship be like? We're changing the dance we've been in, you know? Yes. So if there's this yeah. dance where the husband's like, do you want to sit and watch Netflix? And you're like, no, I don't think so. And he's like, are you sure? And then you're like, yes, I will. Like he's used to that, like back and forth. And so then the time when you're like, no, and you go do something else, he's like, what? like the dance has changed. Right. People would be ill served to think that that's going to go to no contact, divorce and drama. <laughs> what happens well more frequently is they just sort of are like, oh, they sort of test the waters a little. And there are things we can do in setting the boundaries that are helpful with like clear, concise yeah. communication and 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 saying things out loud instead of doing a lot of this like mind reading that we tend to get <laughs> ourselves in control with that can set our relationships up for success. And then ultimately it's on the other side of it to know that if that relationship comes through that little new dance move, it's going to be stronger. Like right, exactly. All, yep. all healthy relationships have boundaries. Like yep. my husband and I now, we have boundaries. It's. It, yep. I think there's a, there's a disservice that comes up when we think boundaries are something you do to someone else or yep. that are only done if the relationship's in trouble, whereas it's actually absolutely not. Like we need to have sort of, some standards and guidelines for how we'll be treated in a healthy relationship. So, so there's that um, Mm -hmm. for sure. And then also just what you were speaking to of that, like, we get sort of caught up in this, like, but I've had this friend for 20 years or 30 years or since middle school. And it's like, but just stop and like, check in with yourself. Like, how do you feel after you're with that person? And Mm -hmm. how do you feel like, do you, are you able to be yourself? Are you able to just, you know, then great. Awesome. But if yeah. you're there and you're like, no, you feel constricted, you feel like you can't be yourself um I hear from a lot of women in midlife that they feel lonely and that mm-hmm. no one really knows their true selves and their true yeah. like being and I just you know I'm a coach I'm <laughs> so sometimes I can be a little direct, but I'm like that's a, like, have you shown yourself your true exactly, self yeah, to these people,
1: and they may and not it, even know their true selves either. They have. I, I know themselves for me, I didn't.
0: It. That was that yeah. was paralyzing, and that can come yeah. up for a lot of women in the Love Your Life School of this. Like, you know, when we're like, "What do you want?" and they're like, "I don't freaking know," because I spent the last four decades doing what other people want, and yes. you know, like I was just I thinking, even, like it's almost yeah. like
1: through puberty again. You know, it is, like, and it's totally insane. normal. They're like well, that's why need podcasts like yours. Talk? Yes. To just yeah.
0: it's like it's not abnormal. And I find a lot yeah. of women are better thinking of what they don't want than mm. what they want. Because <laughs> yeah. Because they'll still like their bodies will be like, oh, not this. Like they hang up the phone from their friend and they're like, Oh god, she just spent like 20 minutes complaining again about the same freaking thing. Like, and it's like, oh, I don't really want that. Like that feeling yes. doesn't feel great. Or, you know, mm. I don't want this feeling of. Like I'm responsible for everyone's feeling state at Thanksgiving, or I don't want right. the feeling of being so burnt out and running around. Like my butt is on fire. Yep. So,
1: you know, I would just have people start thinking about what they don't want. I was just <laughs> like, going to say that you took the words out of my mouth. I was like, sometimes knowing what you don't want is better than mm-hmm. knowing what you do want. It's, but, a, it's, a, it's right. a step forward. Yeah. And then to yeah. listen to that, to
0: not think you're selfish for yep. not wanting that. It's like, no, you were, you've every right. It's. It, to your point of like abandoning yourself, we mm-hmm. are often doing that. We're putting other people's needs above ours. Like all oh, just because I don't want to go out to dinner tonight doesn't mean um, they like yeah. I should say no. It's like it 100% does. You can yeah. absolutely say that. Do you still get triggered today? Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. I, like, will we ever not?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's knowing that you get triggered, right? Yeah. I mean, knowing I... What to do. I
0: Yeah, I find how I like to approach life from the non-perfectionist way, because I I think this is pretty recent, probably in the last couple of years where I have not been like in this race to get to a place where I'm all like, and then I'll be happy, you know, like everything will be fine. But more of this awareness that, you know, 50% of the time I'm going to be in an unmanaged brain. And my unmanaged brain is like a freaking toddler in a candy store. It's like you know, and it's just like racing around. And when, when when that toddler's in charge, I'm gonna be thinking thoughts like my husband leaving his socks there is something about he's disrespecting me, or you know. Yep. So it's like 50% of the time that nonsense is gonna be happening in my brain. Another, if half of the time, 50% of the time, I'm in a pretty managed brain, I consider that a win now. I'm like, that's yeah. pretty darn good, Susie. So I'm like, oh, look at you, sweetheart. You spent that whole day feeling resentful and pissy towards him. Isn't that interesting? Like when I can come at myself with that sort of like chuckle, I channel my, my wiser, older Susie a lot Mm. where she's like, honey, come on. Like, I I totally hear you. But like, do you think maybe this is a little more
1: than the socks? Maybe you (laughs) haven't been speaking up in this area. Like, let's just, (laughs) just like settle down. Susie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And I do.
0: It's like, if it triggers you, it's about you. 100% of the time, 100, like if it triggers me, it's about me. So So what are
1: some some steps that someone can take um, if they are a perfectionist or a people pleaser? Mm -hmm. What what are some steps they can take to kind of start that process of that learning and taking care of themselves?
0: Yeah. Well, one, take a breath. (laughs) And I, I say that sort of jokingly, but also what is happening in our body When our brain thinks a thought and we feel something, so they feel maybe they're a people pleaser and they're feeling fear, they're going to lose this relationship or they're feeling frustration or or resentment or annoyed or irritated. Mm -hmm. Your your brain has fired a thought and it's rained an emotion into your body as if you're being chased by a tiger. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do in our body is to send a signal back to our brain where it's like, slow down, cowgirl, you're okay. And we do that with the breath. So that's mm. like why, you know, when these people are like, take a breath, you're like, shut up. But I'm <laughs> like, sometimes it's just that like, oh, I notice my body's tight now. I mean, we women, if, if we're in our midlife, we have been conditioned to detach from our body, to not feel our feelings, to, you know, suck it up buttercup. And it, I don't care if you're hungry. Like, you know, it's only snack wells for you. Like we will not have that no carbs or, you know, whatever it is like we have, we have detached from our feeling state. And so that first step really is, and it might be unsatisfactory to hear, but it is monumental when you can take just a pause and breathe and even say to yourself, like, I notice I'm feeling irritated or like try to label it one word. That would be great. On that same thing, one of the things that I do that helps me a lot is I try to dump the thoughts that I'm thinking out on paper. So I just, Mm. like like I will say to myself, stop thinking, start writing. Because mm. if it's in my head, I'm a very good overthinker. I have a very anxious brain. And when it's up there, it has all the power. But when I yeah. just even, you don't even need to do anything with it once it's on paper. And if you're afraid that someone else is going to read it, I say write and rip or write and burn it. Like take the yeah. energy. It's like, it's like bringing out the trash of your brain. Your brain yeah. is handing you all this. It's like that toddler in the candy store. It's like 50%. It's just turd thoughts. Take it out. Get it on paper. You're going to feel better. Yeah, right? that would be like sometimes when I get it out on paper, I'm like, oh, okay, that's the thought that's causing me to feel so irritated at you know whoever in my life. Or oh yeah, I've so...
1: had my my best aha moments with journaling. Yes, yeah, and not filtering what I write, just writing right. whatever comes I, I to like mind. I like to just
0: yeah, yep. like a sort of stream of consciousness, dump it out. Yeah, uh, but then some people get afraid, and they're like, I'm not because it's perfectionist. They're like, I'm not doing it right, and that's where I'm like, just like get it out and throw it out. Like that could yep. be a first step. If they're thinking, if that thought comes up for them that they're not journaling right, just get it out and throw it out. That could be, you know, Wendy and Susie are giving you permission. But yeah. like you don't have to do <laughs> it. Like they're actually that's what's sort of amazing with just getting it out of your brain. You're going to feel better no yeah. matter what. Then get yeah, it out next and throw step.
1: it out. I love that.
0: Get it out, throw it out. Yeah. Next Whoa. step is yeah, you could look at that thought or you could meet with a coach and bring your, you're like, this is what I was thinking. That's always super helpful when someone comes with the actual yeah. know, thoughts in their head. Um, yeah. I don't want to skate over the importance of of listening to podcasts like yours or mm-hmm. like mine, of that just getting out of sort of the perfectionist thinking or the people-pleasing thinking that is all around us, because if that's mm-hmm. what they're in it's probably who they're around too. Like we're influenced by the people we're around. So when I started to think differently, I mean, people are like, no, you know, (laughs) get get back down. And so listening to some other voices, that's why I actually started my podcast is because when I was living in that house with my ex, um, he wasn't my ex at the point and very controlling. And my dad, my dad actually said to me, he said, stop reading. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, They didn't know about becoming emotionally intelligent. Right. right. But this was back in the day, like when podcasts were just cut. So they didn't know about podcasts. And I was able to click in and listen to podcasts and just open my whole lens of like, oh, maybe people pleasing isn't helpful. Maybe selfish isn't bad. Maybe like I'm not responsible for my husband's feelings or my friend's feelings or my mom's I mean, this happens a lot in the midlife, like your mother's lonely and oh my God, I better talk to her or take care. It's like, yeah. there's a lot of learning there that mm-hmm. can be super helpful and just easy. Yeah, I did um, the same
1: thing. I used to go for a walk and just listen to mm-hmm. podcasts or audio books, things like that. But yeah, anything helps right now, there's the book I'm reading right now. What is it about? Oh, it's from Oprah and um, I'm looking at oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, I have that coming to
0: me when I'm in the state. Oh, States.
1: oh build a Brooks. life you want. Yeah, build yeah. a life you want. Um, a lot about, you know, creating, creating happiness and not mm-hmm. th- this one, one thing I realized when I was listening to that book is about with perfectionism and expecting yourself to be perfect, expecting your relationships to be perfect, expecting life to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not, That's <laughs> the and, that, and yeah. it doesn't have to be perfect in order to be happy. It's actually through those sad times or those tough times that, you actually learn how to be happy, that you can get yeah. through a really shitty time and still go, I'm actually happy and not feel I mean, bad about it. I I'm I'm in a situation right now as we speak mm-hmm. where it should be like the old Wendy would crumble because that's what Wendy is supposed to do. Wendy mm. is not supposed to be happy when somebody else has other shit going on, yeah. right? Like, no, so mm-hmm. you're supposed to mm, be angry and be mad and be sad, mm-hmm. right? But now I'm like, why, why? Like, that? I think that's the right. key. You have to question it. Like, is that true? You know, is that yeah. a Brene Brown thing or no? Yeah. Uh, Byron a Katie. Thing. Like, is it yes, true? Like, yes. No, true. Like, is this really yeah. true?
0: Like, yeah. do I really agree with that? Or and, am I doing this sir, This person the yeah. best? Like, if I'm attached to their feelings too, I... Right. I I love Arthur Brooks is the one who co-wrote that with Oprah. And I love his work. And it, I very much, um, one of my programs is is called Happiness Habits. And the whole point Mm -hmm. is when our Declaration of the United States was written, it said life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And pursuit nowadays means to chase. It's like this goal. Like we, and that's perfectionist Mm -hmm. thinking. When they wrote it, pursuit meant practice. And yeah. so I take that. And so it is this actual mm. practice. And that's what we're talking about, that your brain might hand you a thought, but is that thought leading to your over or like, if you yeah. are like, oh, yes, I need to continue to answer the call of my complaining friend. That's just a thought. <laughs> like, how do we practice happiness? And there are things that we can do. And Arthur Brooks that's talks true. about and I talk about in my happiness habits class that set us up for happiness. But one of the main, the other part of that. So like we need to, happiness doesn't just happen. Happiness comes from our thoughts. Happiness does not come from the circumstances in our lives. Because if you look at the circumstances in my life, I had a very wealthy father. I had an ex. Mm -hmm. I had three kids. I had the house, the dog, the white picket fence. And I was freaking miserable. Exactly. So there's that. It's my thoughts that are creating my happiness. And we get to, as humans, Mm -hmm. we are homo sapiens sapiens. We have the power to think about what we think about. That's what was given to us. So we can just run along and be that toddler. Or we can pause, take a breath dump our brain out on paper, helpful. The other thing I like to say is that happiness and, and Arthur Brooks definition has this also with happiness, but it's not just what we think of, of this sort of, like this feeling of contentment, because yes. for sure that feels good. And yet if we think about it, because we're always like, oh, we want our kids to be happy. But my kid's mm-hmm. happy sitting, eating Cheetos, watching Netflix and like ignoring his homework. Okay, is that what I really want no. And is that going to lead to his long-term happiness? No. Happiness is a joint effort between that feeling of joy and contentment while moving with purpose and meaning in your life. The purpose mm-hmm. and meaning in your life does not always feel good. Like yeah. I know for me, when I was opening my Love Your Life school, I'm like, oh, like I was just all, I'm like, oh, i just, 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 you know? and, and <laughs> like you trying to set up a podcast interview and like, it yeah. doesn't always feel good to our system. Yeah. But that is what leads to long term life satisfaction.
1: Yeah. It's being able to move through all of it with, mm-hmm. with not, it's not always easy, but it's, it's just being able to, to go with the flow of it and, and trusting yourself that you can, can do it. Well, I think that's where the perfectionist thinking comes
0: in that yeah. it, it's not always easy and it's not supposed to be easy. One of my big yeah. mantras to me is like, nothing has gone wrong here, Susie. Like nothing is, because if we think like we're going to get to that place where we're no longer triggered or we're going to get to the place where everything's happy. And and that's also with, with relationships where they've screwed us with, um, Mm -hmm. Disneyland. And I actually just married a couple. And I mentioned this in my talk when I was marrying them, that like, (laughs) that we think of marriage as like, oh, it just sort of ends when like Prince Charming finds Cinderella and they just dance off. Whereas a true marriage, a really healthy, thriving relationship is two people. It's a container for growth. They keep coming yeah. up and bouncing up against each other, and in that bouncing, do they grow? Do they expand? Do they, yeah. it, you know, or do they shrink and and move? It's it's you know yeah. we get to see. It takes two people to tango, but that is my husband and I now have this we call it AFGO where we'll notice those those sort of moments of um, <laughs> of which are another effing growth opportunity. Well, like afterwards we're like, well that was another AFGO. We're like, god damn it. <laughs> It's an opportunity for growth, yeah, but the, but, like when we think something's gone wrong there, yeah, that's when we're having challenges or when we think exactly. that we're feeling sad, so something's gone wrong or we're feeling yep. stressed. It's like it's just a human sensation, like
1: exactly. It's so funny because right before we started our interview, my son had called me. He's twenty. And so mm-hmm. he's starting in relationships, right? and he he was talking about something about with his girlfriend and, um, he's like, God, it just didn't seem right. Or I don't know she was in a bad mood or I was in a bad mood. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yep. This yeah. is all normal. I'm like, yes. it was perfect. And you yeah. guys had no issues. I am like, first of all, you would end up getting really bored, yeah. you know, like, but yeah. this is how you learn about yourself, how you learn about her, how she learns about herself mm-hmm. and how you can both like create a good relationship whether that is long lasting or not. Right. Oh yeah. Like they are learning about themselves. I, I always like a relationship
0: without conflict is a a problem. Like someone is shoving
1: stuff under the rug. And that's kind of what I thought, like I had a really good marriage because there were Mm -hmm. no issues and I'll never forget. I had, um, I had attended the Heal Your Life Louise Hay workshop in San Diego, and you know we like we would break out with partners and stuff and do little things, whatever. And I remember this lady; I'll never forget it. And she said, "I can't remember what the exercise was, but she said the hardest thing I ever had to do was to divorce a good man." damn. And I was like, Oh, that is so me. I'm like, I, and yeah. I, I hadn't even started the process yet. And I was like, mm-hmm. he's a good guy. Like how yeah. do you divorce the good guy? Like what? And I kept trying to come up with a good reason. Like, what am I going to say? Yes. I know. Cause on? we so, need like, to defend ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Cause, and then I felt like a brat. Like mm-hmm. I can't, what, what's my reason for divorcing him? you know, like, i mm-hmm. just not happy. i not yeah. ha- Like I didn't have a good. I know, but that. that's right. It's like good enough. I did a podcast called Stable Misery. Yeah,
0: it's like, it's good enough. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. And
1: really what it came down to, it was, there was, there's a difference between contentment and complacency. Mm -hmm. And I became extremely complacent, Mm -hmm. but it was like back to that suck it up, buttercup type of thing, right? It was like, no, Wendy, suck it up. Like deal with it you just, oh, you're just not happy. You know, I'm like, yeah. no, actually, yeah, no, I'm not happy. Right. Like not, it's Wendy it's is okay. not being Wendy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, sometimes I don't think like you have to have a good solid reason to, to change who you are, to change your relationship. Just do it. I think I put a post just on there start. today about trying to over-explain everything. Like, oh, oh yeah. We told, like, well, just, that, that
0: comes from our yeah. good girl programming and that there's yep. a right and a wrong. So that's where we are. If people are listening to this in their midlife, that's where we are in development right now. Yeah. Sort of recognizing that there isn't a right and a wrong. When we get over-defensive and over-explanatory not, Mm -hmm. that's because we're still believing, oh my God, if I show them I'm making the right decision or the right, and that's okay. We're right where we need to be in our development. And to keep feeling that, try to close your mouth, try to say like, wow, it's really hard for me when people think I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh, I like to tap right here. This feels uncomfortable. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, oh, that's it's all right. A
1: good one, the tapping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. I need to go. Yeah. I have my love your life school class yes, right now. So, where,
1: yeah. Where can we find
0: you? Well, I have my love your life show podcast, which I would love for listeners to come over. Cause that is a great place. I, I really try to get on there every week and share tools and tips to help people with their happiness with their life satisfaction and, and teaching the things that I've learned. And then I have created a love your life school, which is basically yeah. like a, Think of it like a Netflix for your mental health, where, you know, instead of going to the therapist when you're down and depressed, like we go to the Love Your Life school to continue your learning, to continue, you know, it, it's for women who are interested in self growth and self-actualization. And, and one of the biggest feedbacks I get is that I help people feel better. So mm. I freaking love that. I'll take that every single day.
1: Yeah. So yeah. You've been so awesome. I'm so glad we finally awesome. connected.
0: You're able to connect. This is so great. All right, sweetheart. All right, thank you so much. And
1: um what is your website? Did you say smbwell.com. smbwell.com and I'll put that in the show notes too.
0: Yeah, you know what? You can also I have a free um how codependent are you quiz which is super mm-hmm. fun for people this age to see how much they're sort of putting their feelings or other people's feelings on them. That is at smbwell.com/coda. Um I love it. I'm going to take that yeah.
1: myself. I know. See how much I've changed.
0: Fun. I know. It's a good one. And then if they share their score with me, I'll share my score with them. That'd be fun. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much,
1: everyone. Thank you. Bye. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change or spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are three ways you can thank me. Number one, you can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, You can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three, share it with another midlifer that needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.